Life is hard. But it could be worse. You know, we could just let the theme Life play hard. Uh, for a while. But it could be worse. To, you know, Life is hard. To, like, not have to talk but so it much. it could be worse. Well, you ruined that by letting it play less than it ever has at the beginning. Well, that's true. It. I kind of jumped in there, didn't I? <sighs> <laughs> okay, so tonight... <sighs> I just hit my microphone. I probably shocked everybody. Hold on. Tonight, we're talking about life. And and how hard it is? So I mentioned last week that I was reading Les Mis. Well, I finished it. No way. All 500 pages? All 1,666 pages. Well, you had 500, yeah, had 500 to go last yeah. week. Of it. it wrapped up the story. I have to say the ending wasn't too terrible, but it was still sad because everything in this book is sad. So I decided I'm to start really reading. Really not going to read it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's a good story. It's just a very. Here's my here's my complaint, and everybody that I've said this to has said this is how people are, and I disagree. He, Victor Hugo, the author. His characters are super rigid. Like, I mean, just rigid in their beliefs, in their ideology, to the extreme. Like, I'll just give you an example. So, so there's this, uh, this uh, police officer who's been pursuing our hero pretty much throughout the book. And uh, at some point, you know, during the revolution, the police officer gets captured by the revolutionists and he's going to be assassinated. Um, for spying on them. And uh, our hero... Our hero is a criminal, by the way, right? Well, he he's he is a convict, an ex-convict, right? But he's hardly a criminal because the worst thing he did was steal a loaf of bread to feed his brothers and, uh, and everything else just sort of, you know, cascaded so, from there. So he looted the grocery store. Yeah, he looted. He, he broke a window and stole off a bread from oh, the bakery. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. And that's but but I mean that's basically the. It's not the, it's not the worst thing he did, but in any case, he you know he he ends up being a saint, right? And this is the thing I'm saying. Like people people are just really but 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 this police officer by the name of Javert, I guess it's Javert, it's J A V E R T. That's French, right? So. So be Javert. Anyway, whatever. This police officer. Javert. Um, yeah, that's how I pronounce it in my head is Javert. But um, but Jean Valjean is volunteers <laughs> to kill him. Volunteers to take him over the hill and shoot him. And of course, he takes him over the hill and he lets him go. Now, this is the police officer who's been pursuing him most of his life. And, is gonna, and he even tells him, he says, he says, look, when this is over, if I'm still alive, this is my address. You can come and arrest me. So anyway, then uh, off Javert, Javert goes, and, uh, and, and you know, he's the, the revolution goes on. Everybody gets shot to shit, and most of them are dead. And, and uh, Jean Valjean ends up rescuing uh, his, uh, I want to say daughter, but it's not really his daughter, but the girl, the, the heroine, his, his, the girl he's taken and treated like his daughter. Anyway, um, he rescues her fiance, and uh, who's almost dead. He's been shot up. He's been cut up. He's just—he's a miserable, bloody wreck. He—he he finds a way to get into the sewer system through a broken grate and carries him for miles through the sewer, 
and uh, you know it almost dies in the process several times. You know, it's just a terrible experience. Manages to get him to some place, you know, back home, and 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 anyway, the the guy gets nursed back to health. But the the that's not the important part. The important part, as far as what I'm trying to tell you here, is Javert. Javert is this super, like he believes that the law is the law. You never lie. You never do anything wrong. If you do, you're just condemned to death. That's it. You're finished. You either live a perfect life or you don't live a perfect life. You're either within the law or you're without the law. And if you're outside the law, you're going down. You know, anyway, he holds himself to the same standard. So anyway, he ends up arresting Jean Valjean when Jean Valjean's carrying this practically corpse to, to his grandfather's house to be, you know, mended. And and John he asked, you know, Javert if he'll just let him take this guy to his place before he, you know, takes him in. He says, I'll, I'll go with you. Don't worry about it. Anyway, Javert ends up letting him go. He ends up letting Jean Valjean go. What? Yeah, but he can't he live. He should be arrested. He can't live with himself, right? He gets into this mental conflict of I've just broken the law and and the law is, you know, is just like it's it's got to be upheld but I can't, I can't uphold it because he saved my life. Therefore I can't arrest him. But if I don't arrest him, then I'm no better than he is. And so he jumps off of a fucking bridge and drowns himself. Right. (laughs) And and this is one example. They're all like that. Like they are just so rigid in their thinking. And I've, I've talked to two people about this and they said, well, people are like that. I'm like, people aren't that fucking rigid. I mean, I think as you, as you, I mean, they're all older people. They're all in their 50s and 60s, right? By the time you get to that age, you should have some understanding that there is no black and white. Everything is nuanced, right? I mean, I know not everybody gets that there are no black and white. There are people who are, you know, rigid. But all of his characters are like this. They're just, I shouldn't say all of them, but most of them are. They're just so ideological they're so set in their beliefs that they can't bend you know it's just that pretty much sounds like us i'm not like that well not me and you us like people our culture uh, you know i, guess, I mean uh, look I mean, around among, <laughs> i mean among certain groups of people it might not be that uncommon but you're the third person who doesn't who, who disagrees with me i just found his characters to be so Rigid, I just felt that they were not. Um, well, I mean, maybe they're two-dimensional is what you're saying. I mean, a lot of the characters that you would see in typical movies or whatever shows and stuff, like they add complexities to them on purpose to make them relatable. And like the guy you think is a bad guy, they show his backstory and like, oh, you can understand now why he's a bad guy. They're still good in him, you know. Yeah, well, and and Jean Valjean was, I mean, in a way, that was Jean Valjean because he was a, you know, a convict who ended up serving 19 years in prison and came out a very angry person, but the bishop got him. Um, The the story opens with the story of the bishop, and uh, if anybody's read the book, you don't even have to get through the first 200 pages to know about the bishop. The bishop is like... 200 pages. Yeah, exactly. The bishop is the most saintly person ever. And and again, here's a character who's just, you know, I don't want to say he's two-dimensional because he's, you know, he's a great guy. He's got history. He's kind. 
But you know what he's going to do in every case. He's always going to open his doors to you, whether you're the most evil person in the world. You know, for instance, when when he brought in Jean Valjean, no, Jean Valjean could find no place. It was cold. He was going to freeze to death. He could find no place, not an inn, not uh, a person. Nobody would take him in because he was an ex-con. And, uh, and so he ends up knocking on the bishop's door, and the bishop just says, come in. And he's kind of like, what's the catch, right? He opens, the door's not locked. He opens the door, walks in, and the bishop is like, hey, we're just sitting down to dinner. You want to join us? And the guy's like, I'm an ex-con. He's like, I don't care who you are. Just join us for dinner, you know? And he and he calls him sir. He treats him with respect. And Jean Valjean's like, wow, I don't believe this. And he offers him a place. To, he makes a bed for him, you know, nice, comfortable bed. And the guy was willing to sleep in a, a stable, you know, just to get out of the cold. And um, anyways, he treats him really well. But what does Jean Valjean do? He steals the uh, bishop's silver. See, people don't change. Right. And he, and he like breaks out a window and jumps in the garden and jumps over the fence and runs away with the silver. Well, the, he gets caught. The police catch him. And obviously he shouldn't have the silver. Like here's this vagabond who's wearing rags and he's carrying these items of silver. So they come back. They know, I mean, everybody knows the bishop. The bishop is known like throughout France. And so they bring him back to the bishop's house and like, we caught this guy who apparently stole your silver. And the bishop says to the police, he says, no, I gave that to him. And so the police have to let him go. Well, this completely fucks up Jean Valjean completely. Like he's, first the bishop invites him in and feeds him and and, and then he, he slaps the bishop across the face, you know, in a metaphorically speaking. And the bishop just says, no, it's okay. Take the silver, Right. So uh, so he just can't deal with this. And he becomes a good guy. He becomes a saint because he feels like he has to live up to what the bishop, you know, basically did to him. Um, but anyway, it's an interesting story. It, it's a good story. I, I, I mean, I do that on a like minute level, maybe. I don't know what you want to call it. But like, for example... When I get crappy service from a server at a restaurant, yeah, uh, I'll leave them a big tip. Oh, that's nice of you. Like, in, in kind of that way that the the bishops like you know, whatever. Just because I feel like they'll look at that tip and go like, "Wow, you yeah." Know, next like, time they'll want to give you better service. Not just me, anybody. Well, yeah, okay, right, because. Right. Because I I think, like in my mind, and and I've worked in that industry before, but you get kind of hardened uh, or bitter or you come to expect that even exemplary service is going to get a mediocre tip or whatever. Well, yeah, and some of the the nicest dressed and richest people obviously leave the smallest tips. Oh, they're the worst. Yeah. (laughs) They're absolutely the worst. But but I'm saying it's yeah. to, to to kind of open their eyes to not preconceive the amount that they're going to get and act accordingly, and instead act as if you know the the sky's the limit or whatever. I mean, I don't go overboard. I don't leave thousand dollar tips or anything. But you know, I've been known to tip up to fifty percent. You know, yeah, I've given some big tips in my life, but not usually for bad service. Usually for good service. Either okay, one or two things. Either good service. Or mediocre service when I can see the waitress is just slammed. I mean, I you know, you can't help but feel like this poor woman has got, you know, usually it's a woman, it doesn't have to be, but but you know, she's got thirty tables to wait on. Uh, you know, everybody is being jerks and she's managing to keep up. 
you know? So right. obviously she deserves a hell of a tip. Um, so, so there's that, but, uh, but moving on from, from, uh, lame is I may bring it up again next week. You never know. Well, so I, you know what we just did there though? What did we just do? The life is hard book club. It's been um, yeah. resurrected. Not since <laughs> sapiens. Well, here's, here's the deal. I'm broke, right? I'm poor. I'm unemployed. So I'm reading all the classics because they're free on Kindle. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so I just started Jules Verne's 20 leagues under the 20,000 leagues under the sea. Gotcha. So we'll talk about that next week. Assuming that, you know, uh Captain Nemo doesn't kill me or something cuz I'm not sure about Captain Nemo. I haven't figured him out yet. Um this I'm I'm actually not quite sold on I'm almost 50% through 20,000 leagues under the sea and I'm not sold on the book so, yet. So you're at 10,000 leagues. Yeah, exactly. But I'm still not sold on the book. It hasn't hooked me. It just, it feels... How, how can you be halfway through and it hasn't hooked you yet? It's its plotless. I don't have the patience for that. It, like, Yeah, no, no, I don't either. I, I'm, I'm getting ready to put it, put it down. <laughs> well, no, it's not that long of a book. It's only like 300 pages. So I'm only uh, reading it for, for a few hours. I swear, if this book doesn't hook me by the time I'm 90% of the way through, I'm going to stop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I think I'm going to read like Moby Dick next, so we'll see how that goes. Um, anyway, so if, I want... I if did this have a, book doesn't interest me by the time I finish it, I'm never reading it again. Well, I may not get to because uh, I just want to point out that we had an asteroid. Um, can we... Wait, wait, wait. We'll, hold on. It's a science segment. I don't know. You know, I just needed... I, I've been trying to get my audio guy to produce some audio for our segments. I know. I've got a list. I, I actually, at least I've got step one done. I've got a list of things that I'm going to make one of these days. Okay. Well, okay. So so we have a couple asteroid stories. So there was an asteroid. Um, I think it's called 2020 QG, but it was formerly known as ZTFODXQ. In case you can remember that. Uh, but How do you pronounce it, that? It passed the Earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it passed the Earth, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. This is, I actually made this note for a po previous podcast. We didn't get to it. But it came within, okay, this is important. It came within 1,830 miles of the Earth. And it was previously undetected. We didn't know this asteroid was going to pass us until it passed us. Now, I just want to note the significance of this. It was the largest asteroid to pass that close to our planet without hitting our planet. Like, in a, you know, as, as far as we know. Ever. Like, well, that we know of. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a very large asteroid and it came within 2,000 miles. That's in, in space terms, that's like as close to a near miss as you can get. So I just, you know, want to note we're living on the knife's edge here. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I do want to, this is kind of debunking a rumor because there was a rumor going around that we were actually going to be hit by an asteroid the day before the election, which if you think about it would be merciful, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if there's a God, we'll get wiped out by an asteroid on November 2nd. Um, however, it turns out that there's actually a 1 in 240 chance that that asteroid will hit us, which is, for 2020, those are pretty good odds, by the way. We'll probably get hit. But the problem is it's not big enough. 
it's it's not big enough to make it through our atmosphere. So it, even this if this is a different asteroid, this is a different about. asteroid that's going to hit us on November second. I just oh. want to make sure because there was a rumor going around, like people were saying we're going to be hit by an, and and there's a one in two hundred forty chance that we will be hit by this asteroid on November second, but it will be too small to do any damage. So it's kind of a non-issue. So who's we anyway? Does it count if you know it hits Siberia? Yeah, yeah, that's it, hitting our planet. Right, just hitting the planet. Yeah, we wouldn't know but, exactly I mean, where. It was you know, going that, what does that got to do with the U.S.? I mean, I get we're all a global community and stuff, but if it was a large enough meteor, <laughs> it could take out our entire civilization. But it's not. You just no, no, that. no, no. It's not. It's not even going to hit the planet. Probably if it if it were to hit us, it would burn up in the atmosphere. So it wouldn't even. Maybe a couple of small pieces would hit the planet, but it wouldn't be like a an, a big meteor strike. You know. Right. And certainly not enough to disrupt our elections. Right. But we there, have COVID for that. But there was one that could have taken out like half of our planet and we didn't even know about it. That's the scary part. Like it was like, hey, did you see that? Where the hell did that come from? I mean, it was almost close enough to take out some satellites on its way by. Would have been a real pain in the asteroid. Yeah. Yeah. Or Oh no, but don't you what am I? Sp- you know, here's the, you know what yeah. we're gonna do. You know what we're gonna do. I'm telling you, in case the listeners don't know this, I can't see Rob. He's sitting in Tennessee, and I'm sitting in North Carolina. But we're gonna do FaceTime with visuals, with cameras, so that you can give me the signal, and I can be ready because my hands are not anywhere near those buttons. I'm like waving <laughs> them around in the air. <laughs> I'm making. I'm going, ah. So I have a, I have a, actually I have, oh, just, I don't know, did you hear there's another shooting in Wisconsin? No. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to get into it right now. I, the details are really fuzzy, but the video shows the cops following this black guy to his van, and then, and the, and apparently they're trying to get him to stop. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, that that part is undisputed. They're telling him to stop, and he keeps walking, and. And they're, they've got their guns drawn on him, and and uh, and he goes and opens his van door and leans in, and they just shoot him in the back like seven times. What if the poor guy was deaf or had like, you know, AirPods in and with the music going, didn't hear him? Well, there's more to the story. Some bullshit. There's more to the story. He, they, apparently, the police were called on a domestic uh, violence thing, and this guy, when they got there, was apparently mediating between two women that were fighting, and I don't know who, who the person. You know, who called the police, who they called him on or anything else. But the kick was that this guy had his three kids in the van and the oldest one was eight years old and it was his birthday. And uh, he, um, I don't, the, the problem, I understand that the police, once he reached in the van, that they could be feel threatened as he could be reaching for a gun or something. But I don't understand why their first impulse is just to shoot somebody in the back. You know, you could at least wait for him to turn around you know, and see that he's got a gun or something. You've got time. You've already got your gun pointed at him, your finger on the trigger, right? You've got... Anyway, I don't I don't want to get that. I just... It, Plus, they could be doing anything. I mean, why do we have to assume... Why do they have to assume... That he's getting a gun That out? he's getting a weapon. Well, I don't... You know what I mean? I, I, the problem is I don't know what the story is. Like, I saw a video that some guy yeah, shot from a distance, and I don't really have talking the Talking without information, yeah. Well, that's why I say I'll wait till next week. Try to get try to get a little bit more information. Try to get a little bit more detail if they if they give it. If they figure out, I don't know. They're going to be doing an investigation, obviously, because the guy's not dead. Okay, 
he may be paralyzed for the rest of his life, um, but he's not dead. He, he was in serious condition, critical condition, um, surprisingly enough. Um, but yeah, I, I also, my other thing is not only you don't assume that he's reaching for a weapon, but why do you always have to use lethal force? I mean, why is the gun the first resort? It's always like, we must shoot him. He did something we don't like, we must shoot him. I mean, couldn't you do something else? You know, couldn't you just pounce on him? Like shoot a Batman net? I don't know. Just take him you down. Know, you know what I'm saying? The the gun that slings yeah, the yeah, yeah, net I, and right, like cause, collapses cause, around them and they can't move. Because he stole that from Spider-Man. Well, Spider-Man just, does it with a web, but yeah. Well, I'm just saying he stole it from Spider-Man. Spider-Man thought Probably. of it first and then he, he, he can't spin webs, so he makes a net. I mean, I don't know. I think Batman's kind of a, like, he's he's a plagiarist or a patent stealer or something. I don't know. I mean, we, so, know, we know he's a criminal anyway. Yes, he will. Just like Jean Valjean. So well, let me tie a couple themes together here because we were just talking about uh, superheroes. And then before that, we were talking about space. And before that, we were talking about two-dimensional characters and all that right yeah so so on oh thanks too soon on on yeah on netflix um they have a cw show called supergirl i don't know if you're familiar this is a reboot there apparently was a supergirl in the 80s or 90s oh yeah 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 like 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 superman except super should have been superwoman but yeah supergirl well, and they even, yeah, they mentioned that. There's a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff in the show itself. Um, and it's a bit of a the parody. girl who is Supergirl is offended that she's branded Supergirl and not Superwoman. But anyway, not the point. The point is that Supergirl works with or for uh, this thing called the DEO, which is a government organization. That is, Dead on arrival? I'm sorry, wait, that's uh, not right. That would be DOA. The Department of D-E-O. Extra... I don't know. Okay. Um. Anyway. Um, the Department of Expendable of Operatives. Yeah, you had a train? Like Damn it. Yes. So, the point of that organization is to protect the Earth from aliens. Right, because there's aliens from everywhere. There's Kryptonians. Okay, okay. You know, I have Krypton. proof. I have proof there are no aliens. You know, we we talk about do you believe in aliens? I say, well, you never really know, right? I have proof there are no aliens because for the past year I have had painted on my roof, "Please abduct me," and nothing has happened. Well, you're about to find out why, right? Because usually, well, maybe not usually, but the typically think of Martians being the abductors. But anyway, so in this show, the leader of the DEO is a, well, he's an alien, right? He's oh, great. Imp- he's impersonating a human, so nobody knows he's an alien. And in the show storyline, you don't know he's an alien for the first eight, nine, ten, whatever episodes he's just a guy and then they start to leak it out slowly like you see his eyes flash red in one episode or whatever but anyway 
So it comes to this point where the story comes out, like he's been lying to his people that he works with and stuff like that. And, you know, it finally comes to the point where like, what are you, who are you or whatever? And it turns out, you know, that there's this big dramatic, you know, monologue about, um, I was on Mars and the, there's apparently white Martians and green Martians in this story, but Ooh. the, the white Martians lived under the surface, under the, you know, in the core of the planet or whatever. And they came out and they subjugated the green Martians and they exterminated them. It's almost like a Holocaust story, right? Sounds like an Edgar Rice Burroughs book, but go ahead. Yeah. And, and so this guy is the last remaining green Martian. Like his whole race was slaughtered, his wife and his daughters and everything. Okay, not Edgar he, Rice Bros, because the green ones had three ar- three six arms. Well, he's the very last green Martian and he's been masquerading as this guy Hank, you know, who's oh just an army guy. Right. But so you know, so what is he? Is he is the last Green Martian again? There's this long monologue and stuff like that. And and what's your name? Your real name, you know, not Hank, but what's your real name? John Jones. Really? <laughs> and I'm like, why well, have know, an alias? Well, I mean, who wrote that? Right? Like yeah. this guy is the last remaining Martian on the. Yeah. Anywhere and in the universe, name might as well be John Doe. Exactly, and his name is John Jones. It's like super American, super basic. Yeah, you know, it's like how come his name is not exactly? It's you not know, even a green name or something. But it's what's your name, John Jones? That's like his. Well, I do have his a complaint. Fake name was more interesting. I do have a complaint right off the bat because. Superman was an alien, and I assume Supergirl is also an alien. Correct, yes. So I don't see how she could be involved in protecting us from aliens. Well, and and the show gets into that, right? They're not happy that aliens themselves are part of this organization that's supposedly protecting the Earth from aliens, right? Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, that's but that's a plot thing and not whatever, but... and. And to be a to make it slightly better, they don't always pronounce it this way. Like most of the time, it's John Jones, or sometimes you think they're saying Sean Jones or whatever. But they actually Frenchify it, and so just like you know, Jean Valjean in yeah, you know, Les Misérables, Jean Valjean, it's actually Jean Jones, right? Okay, technically, like you. Yeah, you Frenchify the thing. And they spell it all crazy. But Because we know that people on Mars are French. <laughs> exactly. He's a French he's a French Martian named John Jones. I've always <laughs> felt that the French were aliens. Now I have vindication. Well they are when they come to the United States. All right, so I have a completely change of topic here. I uh discovered C B D infused tea. Oh yeah? Yeah. And I have C B D infused gummies. Did do, do you get anything out of the tea? Uh, well, I had a headache when I went to bed one night and I still had it the next day and I I had just discovered this tea and I tried it and it seemed to knock out my headache. Now, it's 
one case, so I don't know if the headache just went away on its own or if the teammate, but I'm really excited. I'm hoping that when I get another or headache. maybe the caffeine and the tea fixed you up? No, no, it wasn't a caffeine headache. It was a sinus headache. Oh. It's, yeah, because I get these damn sinus headaches and they last Yeah, forever. I get them too. Yeah, mine lasts for three days and it just, it's really frustrating. So if this works, I'm really excited about it. But here's my problem. That's like irrelevant because it may or may not even work. Like I might find out that, that headache was going to go away that same morning. It doesn't matter. But here's the deal. I am really pissed, and I have been, we've talked about this before, that we've known about CBD for hundreds of years, and it still is not FDA approved. Yeah, like what are they doing? The only reason it's not FDA approved, that and THC, either one, is because is because the pharmaceutical companies can't patent it. And that's why oh, yeah, they- because it's natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can grow it in your backyard. I mean, North Carolina has sort of legalized hemp, as in if you get a permit that costs a significant amount of money, I think it's like 250 bucks a year or something, and then you got to go through a bunch of hoops, you can you can grow it, right? But the idea was that they were going to allow for commercial growing of it, but not personal growing of it. Now, I don't, there's, to me, that's just bullshit. I mean, it's like, it's fucking hemp. It's it's a goddamn weed. It's it's it doesn't make you high. It's it's it just just pisses me off because the tea. Well, I mean, not, you're lucky to be able to grow tomatoes. I know, I know, but the tea isn't cheap. You know, the tea is over a dollar a tea bag, and right, it wouldn't be expensive if you could go pick it out of a ditch, which you could if if we allowed it to grow wild. It would just be everywhere. Marijuana used to be that way. So in is it just hemp leaves or is it actually like tea? Well, no, no, it's tea. And, and obviously they process, you know, they get the, the CBD out of the hemp and they control the amount, the potency and all that. There's mm -hmm. obviously steps involved, but you wouldn't necessarily need that. If the CBD was what helped my headache, I could make tea just by boiling leaves of hemp. Right. You know, it's just this whole thing of, oh, wow, we've got to have this. I just get annoyed with the fact that capitalism controls everything and it is not to our benefit in most cases. Um, well, of course not. I it's mean, to the capitalist's benefit. I mean, there are cases where capitalism works. You know, it does its thing, but uh, it just. And, oh, and by the way, while we're on the topic of capitalism, I want to point out something else. If the capitalists want this to be a capitalist country, if they want to go down the road of we don't want socialism, we don't like the socialists, we think all this socialism should go away, whatever, if that's what they want, then when they develop their motherfucking drugs or they develop their technologies, they shouldn't be relying on the U.S. government to do the goddamn early development work because we pay for all this stuff. You talk about socialism, you know, like, mean? like, like Explain. fracking, you know, the, what they do now to, to get oil out of the ground was developed by the U.S. government or government institution, but it was paid for by us, the development, because nobody wanted to pay to do the research to learn how to do fracking in the early days because they weren't sure how it was going to turn out. It was a risky investment. So we made the investment. The things that, you know, like putting satellites in space and all this stuff. NASA, we we created right. the technology. Drugs, in most cases, the initial research and most of the research done is done in universities and uh, 
and uh, uh, well, I want to say what's the organization that does it, but there's a uh, there's a government organization that does research, kind of like the CDC, but not the CDC. It's one of those, you know. That, well, it's not the FDA. No, no, the FDA just approves <laughs> approves drugs, but but still, though, we do this research, and then companies basically benefit from the research that we've done and then they take over and they make a product and they sell it they patent it and they sell it and we don't get any benefit from that but my Wrong. point my point is simply that there's socialism at all levels right i mean we subsidize the banks we we subsidize the oil industry we we well, we sub subsidize nuclear um we subsidize all kinds of industries that are for-profit corporations and uh, we we eat it and let them make money, and then then they say, oh, we want you know we don't want socialism. Now they don't want socialism when it comes to giving people everyday people right. benefits, but they love it when they get benefits. Um, anyway, that wasn't in my list of things to talk about. There's one last thing I want to mention before well, we hold have to, on, hold on, yeah, yeah, on. what, what, what? Capitalism. Well, you're on capitalism. Okay. Let's well, we're we're out of, of time, yet. so I was planning on wrapping it's it up. It's real quick. Yeah. There's a meme, yeah. right? Or a right? Yeah, it's I got my finger over the button. Just call it a meme. Well, I didn't make this up, but now look, look what you did. Go ahead. So there's there's a lake, and there's a guy. It's not actually a guy. It's a cute little animal, but um, he's fishing in the lake, right? And he's labeled worker, right? And sitting next to him is the bucket where he puts his fish that he catches mm -hmm. and then there's a guy another cute little animal behind him that's fishing out of the bucket and, he, <laughs> and he's and he's labeled capitalist yeah yeah sure that yeah. kind of illustrates what you were just saying yeah well i mean yeah when you get into the whole workers and and what are I mean, I was just listening to something on the radio today that they said that the pharmaceutical industry was spending all of their profits right now buying back their own shares and stuff. They weren't doing anything. Um, anyway, it's, but we have to move on just because I've got one last little point to make and then we must hang up this podcast. It's getting late. Yep. yep. Um, this is probably just a, a funny rumor because uh, I, I looked it up and I found some justification for it, but I think it was mostly a joke. So this part's not a joke. Goodyear um, has a dress policy where they will allow people to wear like Black Lives Matter t-shirts and things like that, but they won't allow people to wear a MAGA shirt because anything political or potentially uh, discriminatory, if it's going to, if it's going to cause any, you know, discrimination or discomfort to their employees, they don't want you to wear it, but they'll allow you to wear Black Lives Matter matter well anyway so trump decided you know that they needed to be boycotted or something because of this and his supporters of course are but the rumor was that that people were slashing their own tires <laughs> and and i found two different references of this i'm sure there were more if i'd looked harder but uh, uh one made it sound like people were joking about slashing their own tires and another one actually had pictures of people sticking knives into their tires so I, I yeah, don't know. Which may or may not be photoshopped. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how true it is. And we don't know the context of that either. Well, they did do similar things, like they burned Nikes yeah. and people destroyed yeah. Keurigs <laughs> and 
<laughs> you know, they've done crazy stuff like that. So it would not surprise me. There's probably at least a couple people who did it. I don't think it was a big trend. I couldn't find anything that indicated that it was a big trend. But the funny thing about the article that said they were doing it, it was almost like an article was written for The Onion or something because it right. basically was saying this guy slashed his tires and now he had to go buy new tires, but he couldn't because he'd slashed his tires. <laughs> you know, it's like, oops, I probably should have gone to the heart, to the tire place first, you know. When you're when you're slicing your own tires, that's really where the rubber meets the road. Life is hard, but it could be worse. Life is hard, but it could be worse. Life is hard.